0: Now, if you've, been, if you've been with us for a while, you've gotten used to probably turning to the book of Matthew uh, with us. Now, to, today's message, and usually it's the Matthew, well, the screen that just says Matthew or the Gospel according to Matthew up here, um, and the reason I don't have that up here is because this message is not really necessarily about Matthew. It's not unrelated to Matthew, it's, but it's really more of a broad reflection. We've been spending years together, and if you're used to even any sermons from NCF at any given time, typically we're going to be sharing from God's Word out of a specific passage, usually as part of a broader series, like going through a whole book. We went through the whole Old Testament, not every single verse, but touching on all the major people and characters and themes throughout the Old Testament, and then we dove right into Matthew about two years ago, And our plan, Lord willing, is to continue into the story of the New Testament using the book of Acts. But today is going to be a little bit more of a broad reflection on Scripture. So a lot of this is naturally going to be influenced by the two years that I've spent studying Matthew with you. Uh, But it's not really part of the Matthew series. Uh, Lord willing, again, in a couple weeks, uh, Mike and I are planning to do a tag team message where we'll actually put an official cap uh, on the Matthew series to summarize the whole book. Uh, kind of of from both of our perspectives, whereas this week is just going to be a little bit more of my own perspective on Matthew, the the good news that he thought was so important um, and how it's still important today. Uh, So I'm curious, first of all, how many of you have been around for at least the last two years to catch kind of the majority of Matthew? Mike and I and a good handful of the rest of you have actually been around for quite a while. How many of you feel like, because all of us kind of go through seasons of coming and going, how many of you feel like you were able to catch at least like half of the series? I'd say that's still pretty good. If you caught half of the sermons, roughly, that's pretty good. Uh, how many of you feel like you're either brand new or you're jumping back in uh, to our sermons with maybe only bits and pieces of Matthew? A good, good amount of you, I think, as well. A couple of you, at least. So there's, there's a wide variety here. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, and you know Melissa's brave enough to raise your hand that you're new. Uh, are you brave enough to answer a question? You know, I, know. I know you are. So, the, Melissa, I know Melissa, we're friends, but she hasn't been around NCF to hear these sermons for the last couple years. So, if you were to say, if you were to finish this sentence, the gospel according to Matthew is about blank, not using any of the words in the title. It's obviously, it's about the gospel. It's not about Matthew, but what is... The Gospel according to Matthew, about? How would you finish that sentence? Uh, Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry, all right. I mean, you, could, you could just say Jesus, right? It's about Jesus. Uh, it's a pretty easy one. Obviously, it's a lot, about a lot more, um, but even uh, Mike taught us last week that you, you can answer almost any question in church with the answer of Jesus, right? It's, it's about everything or, and everyone around Jesus, how he affected them and affected the world through them and his ministry. But that Jesus, or Yeshua, his Hebrew name, from this town of Nazareth is the central character of this whole book of Matthew, and of each of the gospel books. So now I'm going to try a slightly harder question, Um, and you can try to answer this one if you want or not. Uh, This is kind of the easy answer to any church question, is um, Jesus, right? So Let's answer me this then, and, and think of it as if a stranger were to walk up to you at any given time. Right now, a stranger you've never met before and ask you, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If the easy answer is Jesus, well then, who is Jesus? So how would you answer this in just, it may be not one word, can you answer it in one word, Anyone? Messiah, all right? That's, that's the only word I would be able to think of, Messiah or Christ. Anyone want to expound on that a little bit? That's going to be kind of the topic of my whole message today. So, hopefully, when you walk away from here today, you might have an idea of how you might want to answer this question. And this is going to be uh, not just repeating something I say, but who is Jesus to you? And why have you chosen to follow him? Or have you not chosen? follow him. That's a question I just want you to be chewing on because I think that's the question that anyone who's read the book of Matthew or any of the gospel books has to answer. And according to Matthew, he's the Christ. He uses the Greek word Christ. Um, he makes that very clear in the very first sentence of the book of Matthew. But that's a really loaded statement to say that he's the Messiah or the Christ. The same, same word, Messiah, as being the, the Hebrew word but if you do know some of that baggage that comes along, and you know the nuances are a little bit different from Messiah to Christ, but you know that there's connections there to the Old Testament, to promises, and, and all there's the whole, all that baggage. So if you know that then, that, then that title of Christ or Messiah is helpful if you're familiar with the Old Testament in particular. Because that name, or that that title is Christ, is, is a title. Jesus is a name, but Christ or Messiah is a title. And pairing the person of Jesus of Nazareth with this title of Christ or Messiah is pivotal to the entire New Testament. It connects Jesus to those ancient covenants and traditions, and even to the very creation of the world, while also positioning him as the head of a new covenant and the king of a new world, and the foundational cornerstone of a new kingdom. He's the firstborn fruit of a new humanity, a, sow, a seed that's been sown by God himself, a new Adam, a new human. There's a lot there that Matthew's tapping into that tradition, and in the literature, and the prophecies of thousands of years old. And that's what any of us do anytime we use the word Christ or Messiah in reference to Jesus. And then there's a whole rest of this book that Matthew wrote that we've been studying and unraveling for two years in which Matthew explains his perspective on the meaning of that word and how it pertains to Jesus, who Matthew actually got to witness and spend time with in person, this person being the Christ. So Matthew wrote a whole book about it. I can write sermon after sermon about it. How else, though, besides using that shortcut word of Christ or Messiah, which is an excellent shortcut, but how else can we answer or explain that question of who is Jesus to someone who's never heard of a Messiah? It's a question that Jesus seemed very interested in. He asked his disciples, remember, in in Matthew, kind of partway through his ministry, who do people say that I am? Once. You know, his reputation had spread, and and Peter answered him. There were a couple different opinions on him, and Jesus followed up with that, with what he, I think, was truly interested even more so in was, Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? It's possibly the, I would say it is, the most important question that any person will have to answer at any given time when confronted with the reality of who Jesus is. It's a question that I've answered and I've professed uh, within my own self before God in the floor of my shower, and I've professed it here in front of you. I've professed it online in any, you know, space that I I can. And yet it's somehow, it's not a question that ever gets old to me. It's not a question I ever tire of asking. Even though I, I feel like I know who Jesus is It's still a question that I still wrestle with every day. It's kind of like asking who Ellie, my wife, is. So if someone were to ask me who is Ellie, well, of course I can tell you. Well, she's my wife. I can tell you. I can list things about her. But do I truly know who she is? Not really. (laughs) There are so many times I don't understand what she says or does. (laughs) But I do know her, and I know that I know her enough to love her and cherish her and be committed to spending the rest of our lives together as long as God allows us to. Right? So there's, a, there's that, that level of understanding where I, I can tell you, I know my wife better than any of you, and yet there's still so much I don't understand, but I've, I'd be happy for any of you to get to know her as well, because I know it would enrich your life um, as she's enriched mine. See how, how easy that was for me to talk about my wife, because I know her? <laughs> I didn't even have any of that in my notes. <laughs> so, but why is it so much diff- more difficult to answer the question, who is Jesus? And granted, Jesus is a little more complicated than my wife, believe it or not. So I was curious... Because this is such a good question, I've been thinking about the value of questions lately because you know where the value of questions really comes up um, in recent technology is when um, prompting artificial intelligence, right? We have all these different tools that are kind of burgeoning on this new technology where these AI tools are able to answer questions and it's all about asking the right question in order to get a useful response, right? So I was curious if I just posed that simple question to a couple different AI tools. Who is Jesus? Are you curious what, what they might have answered? Yeah, sure. yeah? Okay, good. I thought I was maybe going... This, again, this is my own personal reflection. It might seem a little unhinged. There's not a lot of actual scripture in here. But I think it's fascinating. I'm glad I heard some interest out there. So I, I didn't want to... like The concept of AI is not the focus of this message today. Um, but I do want to just address that I'm using some, some AI, I'm going to be sharing some of their responses. Um, I'm not an expert in AI, I'm not constantly following all of the evolving nuances of this developing technology of generative AI uh, chatbots, but it's fascinating to play around with. And at times it is even helpful in answering questions, solving problems, I've found it to be a helpful tool. And like it or not, all of us, if, if you're online at all, pretty much you're participating in the development of these tools, because at any given time, we are putting information out there, whether it's on social media or blogs or our sermons online, uh, for Google searches and other data aggregators to, to collect all that information. So my perspective on why I'm using AI as a tool in this uh, message is that it's, it's a tool that's rapidly evolving, and it has unprecedented power, kind of like computers uh, when they were uh, first starting to scan the internet for all of the information that all humans have put out there, to amalgamate, to amalgamate it and to synthesize it into a human-like, simple, easy-to-understand response or a, to any question uh, based on all of the data that it's been fed. And it's, so it's a powerful tool, but it's, it's nothing more than that. So these responses that it generates, they're technically new in that they are, uh, they're not just links to existing content written by humans but it's a concise summary of all of those sites or those links without you having to go gone to all those sources directly. Um, and the thing is, to bear in mind as we read through these, is that if those sources that the AI is, is feeding off of are not human-generated, they've been doing some experiments with this, the quality of the responses becomes corrupted very, very quickly. It's kind of like, have you ever taken, a, I, I know Mike has, because he has a print shop, a copy of something made another copy of it, and then made another copy of that copy, and made another copy of that. It kind of degrades in quality over time. That's kind of what they saw when AI was just fed its own information back to itself, uh, or even other other AI-generated content. So in practice, this intelligence is still very much artificial. It's still very much dependent on human input, which I think is kind of exciting. It's like the original Google search but with even more potential and, and more power as, as a tool for searching and summarizing what humans have already written. There's a lot of it out there. And we've put a lot of it on the internet over the last few decades. Everything from the most preci- precious, preserved archaeological finds and treasures of literature and art and science and, and like so many different translations of the Bible. I should look up a number. It's got to be hundreds of different translations of the Bible some of them of higher quality than others, but everything, all of these amazing ancient literature to the most mundane and unoriginal thoughts that any bored guy sitting alone with a phone feels like posting out there. So there's like that whole, you know, everything from the most precious treasure to, you know, what you're wearing today. There's a massive amount of information out there. and even just narrowing it down to the Bible or Matthew, trying to summarize who is Jesus. I'm thinking, okay, how would an AI tackle that challenge of summarizing a whole person in a few paragraphs? So with all that said, I just wanted to get that kind of caveat out of the way. It's kind of an impossible task, but this was a rewarding enough journey to share with you. So this is my first... Uh, The first one I went to is Bing, because Microsoft just puts that right in my face. I can easily do it, so that's smart for them. But um, when when you ask Bing, you can choose between more creative, more balanced, or more precise. So I decided to try all three. The more creative version said Jesus is a very important figure in Christianity, the world's largest religion. He is believed by most Christians to be the incarnation of God and the Messiah that was prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. He was a Jewish preacher and religious leader who lived in the first century CE in Galilee and Judea. He taught about God's love, forgiveness, and justice, and performed many miracles such as healing the sick and raising the dead. He was crucified by the Roman authorities under Pontius Pilate, but his followers believed that he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. His life and teachings are recorded in the four Gospels of the New Testament, which are considered by Christians to be inspired by God. And then it lists three sources, uh, which are essentially both Britannica and Wikipedia, including the simple version of Wikipedia, which I had to look up. It's literally a simplified, simple English version of Wikipedia. Um, What do you think of that response? Is Is anything inaccurate? Would you want to change anything? you'd probably want to add a lot to it, right? Because the, uh, nothing here is really inaccurate. I would say, if any of you, if I asked you this question and this was your response, I wouldn't be upset with that. I would say, yeah, that's great. And then maybe that would lead into more dialogue, which is ex- exactly what I ended up doing with a different one. But I'll move on to the next one, which is, all again, being in more balanced. This one was just more concise, I guess. Um, Jesus is a religious leader revered in Christianity, one of the world's major religions. So this one didn't acknowledge that it's the biggest one. It's just one of the world's major religions. He's regarded by most Christians as the incarnation of God. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and died in Jerusalem. All right, so that's kind of a typical biographical detail. He's also referred to as Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, several other names and titles. All right, so that one's even more generic. What I'm missing here is what, who is Jesus to you? That's what really makes the question much more interesting. We're finding facts about Jesus, historical facts. All right, so let's, let's keep going. Being um, the more precise, so I went from more creative to balanced to more precise. And this one I actually thought was, was pretty good. Jesus, also referred to Jesus Christ, Jesus of Galilee or Jesus of Nazareth, was a first century Jewish preacher and religious leader. He is the central figure of Christianity, the world's largest religion. Most Christians believe Jesus to be the incarnation of God, the Son, and the awaited Messiah, the Christ that is prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. Now this one is interesting. It actually asks a follow-up question. Is there anything specific you'd like to know about Jesus? I thought, okay, yeah. If I were inquiring about Jesus as someone who'd never heard of him before, I would want to know more based on what it's told me. It's all true, but I want to know more about this guy. All right. But I, I wasn't really too impressed with those answers, so I went on to a different one. ChatGPT is probably one you've, you've heard of. If you've heard of anything uh, about AI and you may not be able to see this. ChatGPT uh, came up with a long answer. And again this is <clears throat> it's interesting to see how I didn't direct, I gave them all the same exact question. right? I didn't say give me this number of words or this it's the same question they chose you know, based on whatever their developers gave them to, use, to do a short reply like that <clears throat> last one or this long reply and it's a challenge that anyone would face when trying to explain who Jesus is. This one, I'll I'll just read it for you quickly. Jesus, also known as Jesus Christ, or simply Christ, is a central figure in Christianity, one of the world's major religions. He is considered the Son of God and the Savior by Christians. All right, so that's kind of a new word that's introduced, the Savior, okay. The life and teachings of Jesus are recorded in the New Testament of the Christian Bible. According to Christian beliefs, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, which is modern-day Israel, around 4 to 6 BC, though some estimates place it a few years earlier or later. Yep. Yeah, okay. His birth is traditionally celebrated on December 25th as Christmas. He is believed to be the incarnation of God in human form, fully divine and fully human. Yep. The New Testament describes Jesus as a religious teacher and spiritual leader who preached love, forgiveness, and compassion. He performed numerous miracles such as healing the sick, restoring sight to the blind, and raising the dead. Wow, now we're getting really interesting because it's actually explaining a little bit more about what he taught about and what he did, some specific details of his life. Now I'm getting more of an idea why, why he made such of a stir, why people followed him. He taught forgiveness and compassion and love, and he healed the sick. His teachings often involved parables, which were simple stories with moral or spiritual lessons. All right, so he was easy to understand, but he taught you know, with a depth of meaning that really connected with people. One of the central aspects of Jesus' life and mission, according to Christian doctrine, was his sacrificial death and resurrection. He was crucified by the Romans around 30 to 33 AD in Jerusalem, and his death is commemorated on Good Friday. According to Christian belief, Jesus' crucifixion served as atonement for the sins of humanity, and his resurrection on Easter Sunday demonstrated victory over death, offering the promise of eternal life to those who believe in him. That's pretty good. I couldn't say it much better than that. <laughs> The belief in Jesus as the Messiah and Savior varies across different Christian denominations, but his teachings and an example of love, compassion, and self-sacrifice have had a profound impact on the development of Western civilization and the spread of Christianity around the world. He is regarded as a central figure in history and remains a source of inspiration and devotion for billions of people worldwide. I'm starting to think Jet, Jet GPT kind of likes this Jesus guy, <laughs> right? It sounds pretty favorable. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm like, this is search, searching, you know, how many vast troves of information put out there on the information, and this is the conclusion that a computer came up with. That make, that's encouraging to me. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Um, let's look at the next one, chatGPT4. This is also chatGPT. It's just another version of it, which now that it's been out for a while, like on the testing builds of it, apparently it's actually starting to lose its mind a little bit. Um, but this one is, is relatively sane. Jesus of Nazareth, also known as Jesus Christ, is a central figure in Christianity and is widely regarded as one of the most significant figures in human history. According to Christian belief, Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah, or Christ, prophesied in the Old Testament of the Bible. These are big claims. I feel like some of us who grew up in the church don't realize how impactful Christ has been in the world since he lived. We take it for granted because we grow up in it. Christ transformed the world. Sorry, I'm going off script here. The primary sources of information about Jesus are the Gospels of the New Testament, which are believed to have been written by followers of Jesus within a few decades of his death. According to the Gospels, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in what is now modern-day Palestine to a virgin named Mary. He began his public ministry around the age of 30, Preaching a message of love, forgiveness, and adherence to the will of God. Jesus performed many miracles, including healings, exorcisms, and even raising people from the dead, according to these texts. Jesus' teachings and actions, particularly his claim to be the Son of God, led to conflict. Here we go. This is the one where I didn't see in the last one. This was what led from him teaching about love to his death and resurrection. What made people want to kill him? I actually asked a different one that question, got some interesting answers. But here we get that missing piece, which I thought was interesting, that conflict that he created. He was arrested, tried, and sentenced to death by crucifixion under the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. Christians believe that Jesus died for humanity's sins, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day, an event known as the resurrection. After appearing to his disciples and followers for a period of 40 days, it is believed he ascended into heaven. The teachings and life of Jesus form the basis for the Christian religion, and his message of love, forgiveness, and righteousness has had a profound influence on the world. Different Christian denominations may have varying interpretations and beliefs about Jesus, but his role as the Savior is a unifying element. While Jesus is a central figure in Christianity, he is also acknowledged and respected in other religions, religious traditions. In Islam, for example, Jesus, known as Isa, is considered one of God's most important prophets. Think like we think of Moses. Although Muslims do not believe he was divine or that he died on the cross. Historically, there is a general agreement among scholars that a man named Jesus did live in the first century AD in the region now known as Israel and that he was a preacher and was crucified. However, non-religious interpretations of Jesus' life and the exact nature of his teachings vary widely. In other words, it's that caveat at the end that not everyone agrees as to who this guy was. But here's my best answer. Again, I'm, I'm impressed by that. I'll just pause here for a second. What do you guys think? You were all excited to, to hear. I have one more to share with you, but would, would there be anything you would, is there anything glaringly missing from this that you would really want someone to know? Or would you be comfortable kind of hand, handing these four uh, responses and saying, this is a decent response as to who Jesus is? They don't include anything about the Trinity, his part in the Trinity. His part in the Trinity. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a fair assessment. Yeah heaven and hell, kind of, the, there's that savior, what are you being saved from, what's the penalty of, there's, um, I think one of them mentioned victory over death, so that might be the, the closest insinuation of, of hell and death, kind of, but still, it's, there's maybe not as prominent as it should be. The Nicene Creed actually has all of that. Nicene Creed, okay, yeah, and that's where, where creeds and confessions can come in really handy, is people got together and tried to figure out the best way to summarize core beliefs, right? And I'm not trying to create new creeds or confessions. I'm, uh, but those, again, can be useful tools. Um, I'm going to move on to the next one because I, this is the one that actually ended up impressing me the most. And I went on to have a further conversation with uh, this one. And again, there is, it's going to seem at times kind of surface level or fluffy, um, because there are certain safeguards built in. You have to remember, too, the the developers are trying to make this, like, family-friendly, kid-friendly, and not everything in the Bible is necessarily family-friendly. And so it is going to seem watered down at times. I'm just still impressed that it's accurate. Um, So anyway, oh, let me read on. This is from Google Bard. Uh, Jesus is the central figure of Christianity, the world's largest religion. I like that reminder again, of, the, and I had to look that up, and it is true. Christianity is the world's largest religion. Um, if you put the Abrahamic religions together, so Judaism, Christianity, and Islam um, make for the vast majority like 75%. Um, over 50% is Christianity and Islam, and then over 50% of that is Christianity. So it is a significant majority, uh, which is interesting. Um, That may not always be the case, and it hasn't always been the case, but it's kind of cool that we're living in a time where it is. Um, He's believed by most Christians to be the incarnation of God the Son and the awaited Messiah. So again, to me, that's like the most important thing you need to know about Jesus. He's God, and he fulfills the promise of the Messiah, uh, prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in what is now the West Bank, around 2,000 years ago. He grew up in Nazareth, a small town in Galilee. He began his public ministry at around the age of 30 and preached and taught throughout Galilee and Judea for about three years. He attracted a large following of disciples and performed many miracles, such as healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out demons. Jesus was eventually arrested and crucified by the Roman authorities in Jerusalem. However, Christians believe that he rose from the dead three years later and ascended into heaven. They believe that he will return one day to judge the living and the dead. So now that is kind of tying back into that concept of, of heaven and hell. Judgment, there's finally that piece of judgment. Okay, he is returning and he is going to hold me accountable for what I've chosen to do with the truth that he left here for me. So that's, that's important. It's, it's kind of in passing, but the, you know, returning one day to judge the living and the dead, that's, that's an important key that I appreciated here. Jesus is a significant figure in Christianity for many reasons. He's believed to be the only mediator between God and humanity and the only way to salvation. He's also seen as a role model for Christians and his teachings are still relevant today. It, it's interesting it said that without the caveat of it. It's believed that his teachings, are, it just says his teachings are relevant today. Here are some of the things that Jesus taught. And so th- these are, I guess, what it thinks are re- relevant. Um, Love your enemies, forgive those who have wronged you, do not judge others, give to those in need, turn the other cheek, and seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, those are all, all good. You know, I might prioritize different ones. I may put the kingdom further up in the list and, you know, put different things in there. But um, I think we've preached sermons on any one of these points, so they're not, they're not wrong. He did teach about those things. Jesus' teachings have had a profound impact on the world. They have inspired people to love and care for others, to forgive those who have wronged them, and to live a life of peace and compassion. And this is my favorite piece right here at the very end of what Bard said. If you're interested in learning more about Jesus, there are many resources available to you other than itself. You can read the Bible, it says. Whoa! You can read the Bible, talk to a Christian friend or family member, or attend a church service. That's awesome. I have to hand it to Bart. I think that it's not only the most thorough response in really, you know, hitting some of the best key points, I think it has the best advice as a follow-up in conclusion. Bart says that if I want to know more about Jesus, I should stop talking to it, and I should read the Bible, I should talk to another Christian, and I should attend church. That's pretty solid advice. (laughs) Even in that order of priority, when we're seeking truth about Jesus or anything else in life, our first source of truth, we should be going straight to that source. As Bard has reminded us, as an amalgamator of sources, it's telling us to go straight to the source. And then we should talk about that, talk about what we've read or listened to with other Christians, with other people. Whether they've been following Jesus for many years ahead of us, we can probably learn a lot from someone in that position. Or someone who's brand new to the family. We might have something to share that might help them. Or we might learn from their excitement and what God has just done in their life. We all benefit from talking to each other. And these church services where we're gathered together, these are a core connection point, but it's just one. It's a connection point that draws us together. We can meet each other here. We can form those connections. It's nice to know that there is that space for these conversations every Sunday to go back to, but it's not just for here on Sunday. This is meant as a place to kind of make those connections and grow and and explore from there. I mean, even Bart is telling us <laughs> to ask people. We are those Christian friends and family members. We are that church service that even AI is telling people to go to to learn about Jesus. We are those people. So I encourage you, first of all, if you have questions about who Jesus is, even after spending time in Matthew, to continue reading the Bible, continue studying, continue on into the book of Acts with us, and read about how the disciples responded in the immediate wake of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And for anyone who does know Jesus, even just a little bit, be willing to, and ready to talk about him and to help others find him. Matthew tapped into a, really an efficient way of answering the question, who is Jesus, right? And Melissa had the same answer. He's the Christ or the Messiah again, that's a claim that has a lot of meaning and weight, but is only really helpful if you've already downloaded all that meaning and weight uh, into your brain previously. Now, I was so impressed with Bard's answer to who is Jesus, I decided to give it another question. Um, So I I asked it the question of who is Christ. I thought I had this one. Oh, I just highlighted, yeah, um, my favorite parts of Bard's Response. But so here's the, here's the response from what, what is Christ? What does that word mean? Christ and Messiah, it says, are two words that are often used interchangeably but have had slightly different meanings. Christ is a title that means the Anointed One, derived from Christos, which is a translation of Mashiach. The Messiah is a Jewish term for a Savior or Deliverer who is promised to come and restore Israel to its former glory. In Christianity, Jesus Christ is believed to be the Messiah. Christians believe that Jesus was anointed by God, chosen by God, to save humanity from sin. They also believe that Jesus fulfilled many of the messianic prophecies in the Hebrew Bible. I would say he fulfilled all of them, or will. And the word Christ is used more frequently in Christian contexts, while the word Messiah is more frequently used in Jewish contexts. However, both words are used in reference to Jesus Christ. Here are some examples of how the word Christ and Messiah are used in the Bible. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to Christ many times. For example, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is called the Christ. In the Old Testament, the word Messiah is used to refer to a future Savior. For example, in the book of Isaiah, the Messiah is described as a righteous branch who will come up from the stump of Jesse. Yeah, those are some key uh, passages, and we often go to Isaiah for messianic uh, prophecies. The words Christ and Messiah are both important terms in Christianity and Judaism. They refer to Jesus Christ, who Christians believe is the Savior of the world. All right. Again, I'm pretty happy with that explanation of the word Christ, um, even if it's just at a practical level. But again, what does it mean for me? And what does it mean to you that Jesus is the Christ? And what does any of this matter if he isn't who he said he was? Now, it's saying that Christians believe that he raised from the dead, right? So, should I believe that? That question of whether he really came back to life is pretty crucial (laughs) to Christianity, right? So, I was curious how it would answer that question. A really uh, controversial question, right? Is it going to give me a yes or no answer? And it said this, The question of whether Jesus really came back to life is one that has been debated for centuries. There is no scientific evidence to prove or disprove the resurrection, so the answer ultimately comes down to faith. Those who believe in the resurrection point to the empty tomb, the appearances of Jesus to his disciples, and the transformation of the early church as evidence that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. They argue that the resurrection is the only explanation that can account for these events. Those who do not believe argue that the empty tomb could have been explained by other means, such as disciples stealing the body. They also point out that the appearances of Jesus could have been hallucinations or wishful thinking. Ultimately, the question of whether Jesus really came back to life is a matter of faith. There is no scientific evidence to prove or disprove it, so each individual must decide for themselves what they believe. I'm going to pause there, because then it gave me some hopeful lists of arguments for and against, but... It's essentially, the way I would summarize it, is saying, really, there's no such thing as undeniable proof, because anyone has the complete ability to deny anything. I can deny that the earth is round. I can deny that the sky is blue. So anything is deniable, and that's essentially what it's saying. Not everyone believes it. Some people deny it. Because you can say that, well, they were all hallucinating. Okay, sure. So here it gives me some arguments for, being the empty tomb, the appearance of Jesus, and the transformation of the early church. Um, all pretty legit. That last one, to me, is, is one of the most compelling. The actual, the, the fruit of the transformative nature of Jesus' ministry. Um, the arguments against is basically um, the same argument that we looked at in Matthew, where the, the disciples could have stolen the body, or the Romans could have moved it. That really doesn't have many legs to stand on. The appearances of Jesus, again, they can be denied. The transformation of the early church could be explained by other factors. Essentially, all it says is there are people who deny these things happened, and you could somehow find some other way to choose not to believe. And ultimately, the fact that it says every individual must decide for themselves what they believe, that's really... That's really profoundly insightful for an AI. It's kind of not getting at the point that I would get to, but that's kind of kind of cool. So, if I were, again, I'm trying to take kind of an unbiased look at this. If I were looking at this list, I would be more inclined to believe at this point. I don't find the evidence against very compelling, and if you really are interested in hearing me talk at more length about this, I preached about it a couple years ago at Easter, um, and it's online. I gave all my reasons why I believe the resurrection, basically. Um, and this is a decent summary of it for our time today. My next follow-up question would be, what are the consequences of following Jesus? If you believe who he says he is, if you believe that he truly came back to life, if you do choose to believe that, as everyone must, either choose to believe it or not, then what are the consequences of choosing to believe, to, to follow him, And this is the last AI response that I'll give you. It gave both positive and negative, which I love because it's not shying away from the fact that it's not all sunshine and rainbows when you choose to follow Jesus. All right, and again, this is kind of surface level, but I still love that it got to that. That tension is very clear of Christianity um, is, well, I'll just read it. Here are the positive consequences, peace and joy. When we follow Jesus, we experience his peace and joy because we know that we are forgiven and accepted by God. At first I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, that sounds lovely, but where's the, the rest? Purpose and meaning. Following Jesus gives our lives purpose and meaning. We know that we are living for something greater than ourselves. Okay, that is actually a lot of people are searching for purpose in their lives and Jesus certainly gives that. Community and belonging. Following Jesus connects us with a community of believers who love and support us. Yeah, we, we talk about the importance of family and community all the time. Growth and transformation. Following Jesus leads to spiritual growth and transformation. We become more like Jesus as we follow him. I can testify to how Jesus has transformed me over the last 10 years and transformed this church and is always constantly transforming us in ways we never could have even imagined. Oh, and then this last little bit at the end. Oh, yeah, I love that this is at the eternal life immortality you get to live forever with God that's kind of a positive consequence (laughs) all right yeah I'll, I'll take that eternal life that sounds good what are the negative consequences persecution Jesus warned his followers that they would be persecuted for following him this persecution can take many forms including social isolation verbal abuse and physical violence in other words don't expect everyone else around you to be happy that you're following Jesus now, we have the, I meant to have a, a map up. There's maps that show kind of the influence of Christianity and other world religions. I don't think I ended up putting it in the notes. But it's, it's amazing to see how much of the world Christianity has influenced and the blessing that we live in being such a saturated uh, with Christianity. No one cares that we're Christians. You know, it's almost assumed that we're Christians in our culture, even if what that really means is another story. We have friends who live in areas where that's not the case. Um, Disappointment. Following Jesus doesn't always lead lead to a life of ease and comfort. So This is a very anti-prosperity gospel message. There will be times when we experience disappointment and failure. I don't know if disappointment is necessarily the right word, um, but I like that it's trying to get to that idea of discomfort and it's not all about being comfortable and luxurious all the time. Uh, we can enjoy nice things and enjoy life, but it's not, that's not what life's about. Trials and tribulations kind of goes into that. Following Jesus means we will face trials and tribulations, difficult times, challenging times, painful times. These can be difficult, but they can also help us grow and mature in our faith. Now, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Now, Bard gives me its summary statement. Ultimately, the consequences of following Jesus are positive. However, there are also negative consequences that we must be aware of. If we are willing to face the negative consequences, we will be rewarded with the positive consequences of peace, joy, purpose, meaning, community, growth, transformation, and eternal life. Here are some additional thoughts on the consequences of following Jesus. It's like Bart is kind of Processing through this all, like, with me as I'm asking these questions. Following Jesus can be challenging, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Yeah. When we follow Jesus, we are not promised a life without pain or suffering, but we are promised a life with him. Following Jesus means following his teachings and his example. This means loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's literally our church motto. Almost. Following Jesus means being willing to let go of our own desires and plans in order to follow His will for our lives. Following Jesus is a journey, not a destination. We will never be perfect followers of Jesus, but we can always grow closer to Him. And this is the the last sentence that Bard leaves us with. If you are considering following Jesus, I encourage you to do your research and pray about it. It is a decision that should not be taken lightly. But if you do decide to follow Jesus, I can assure you that it will be the best decision you ever make. I didn't write that, guys. Bard wrote that word for word. And Bard is in good company because this artificial intelligence is just echoing what thousands upon thousands of people have testified to ever since meeting Christ thousands of years ago. I don't know why in this particular circumstance Bard happened to give me the perfect answer. I don't know if there's some intentional bias in the, in the code of, of this, or if it's just the most logical conclusion that it came to. After scouring the internet and comparing it to the previous questions I asked, I don't pretend to understand how, how it's all working. Maybe it just knew the answer I was looking for based on all the data it has on me personally Was saying what I it knew I wanted to hear. I don't know. Either way, I know I can't really improve much on that statement. (laughs) I would gladly take that statement as my own and, and testify the same as true for me. And I would say that anyone who's chosen to follow Jesus truly would say the same to you at any given time throughout history or today. Anyone in any culture. And I think that's cool. That said, I should, I should probably give you my own answer. Um, and I kind of have a book answer. And I, I went back, actually, to kind of prove, okay, what would I have, how would I have written it without even being influenced by any of these AIs? Um, so here's my, my profession of who Christ is, um, my book answer, if you will. And I drafted this and tweaked it a little bit for today, but I wrote this before AI was even a thing. So Jesus is the Lord, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, fully God and fully human. The Word of Yahweh became flesh and was a tabernacle of presence among men. Jesus is the Son of God, Son of Man. He's perfect in every way, the one human in all human history to successfully and perfectly carry the image of God, fulfilling the purpose for which God created mankind. He atoned for mankind in a glorious and sacrificial act of propitiation, opening the gates of freedom and peace and redeeming us to our Creator. He intercedes for us and rules all of creation seated at the right hand of God. All of this was foretold by ancient prophets, at times with unlikely or surprising details, all of which were fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Jesus was born to a virgin and walked among us as God incarnate. He existed as completely human and completely God, one person in the triune Godhead, possessing two distinct and essential natures, living as a sinless human, humiliating himself to walk among a corrupt people on a fallen earth. He taught and demonstrated the fruits of love and and taught the meaning of truth. He was tempted, tested, and tortured to the extent or beyond that which I will ever experience, nevertheless never wavered in his conviction or his faith in the Father." He submitted himself to death at the hands of those he came to save, and thereby grants redemptive atonement, forgiveness to the rest of humanity. I strive to live according to his teachings and as an example of how a human should live and interact with his friends, neighbors, and enemies, though I fail often. Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. Let us seek and serve and praise him always, rejoicing in the great love, mercy, and freedom that he gave us as we pass it on to all who will receive it. Uh, sorry, I had one more there. So again, that's my quick word, well wordy uh, book answer to who Jesus is. And again, I'll just echo Bard's really good advice. If you want to know more about Jesus, read the Bible. Talk to us about it. I love talking about the Bible. There's pretty much nothing I'd rather talk about at any given time. I can't talk to every single one of you for hours and hours. I mean, I do. It's here. But... You know, we need more conversation than just this. So read the Bible. Talk to other people. Keep coming to church services. It's all a part of learning to know who Jesus is more. I can assure you that if you follow Jesus, it will be the best decision you ever make.